Hello, and welcome back to the Sidekick Critic Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Andrew Crosby, and I am delighted to have you with me for this film and entertainment industry podcast. Um, also, as always, make sure you follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Sidekick Critic. Uh, if you prefer watching your podcast, subscribe to my YouTube channel, the Sidekick Critic Podcast. Or if you prefer listening, you can find me on Spotify as the Sidekick Critic Podcast. Um, so this is episode five of my new podcast show here. And so far, the first four episodes, I've really focused on one movie at a time and diving in deep at that movie and reviewing it and giving you all my thoughts on it and the facts of the movie. But those aren't the only movies I've seen this year. Uh, through We're at the end of February. Through two months, I have now seen 11 movies in theaters. And I feel... This is a good time for me to rate and rank and give a very brief review on those movies that I've seen. So as they start becoming available at home and running out of showtimes, you can decide if you want to see them yourself. So I'm going to dive right into that. Uh, at My worst movie of the year so far at number 11 is Maybe I Do with a 2 out of 10 rating. Uh, this movie was bad. It was really bad. I I did not enjoy it. My fiance and I nearly walked out of the theater. It was so bad. Uh, it's starring Emma Roberts and Luke Bracey. Uh, the two of them were part of the reason I wanted to see it, as they were in a one of those corny Netflix rom-coms holiday, which has actually become kind of a comfort holiday movie for me. I think it's very cute and funny. This didn't have any of that. It wasn't really cute. The dialogue was truly awful. The story wasn't good. Uh, just at the point that they wanted to be funny, and you could always tell, it was more just kind of sitting there and looking at each other like, what is this movie? Uh, did not enjoy it. Don't recommend it. It only did $1.9 at the box office. Uh, I don't think anyone ever expected it to do big numbers, but it did really poorly, which I think is reflective of how good of a movie it is. Uh, as far as streaming goes, it is available on Video On Demand, which is your Apple TV, Amazon Prime, Google, YouTube, all of those for $20. It's not worth $20. Bucks. Um, I'd say maybe if it's free and if you have nothing better to do or watch, watch it. But even then, there's always going to be something better to watch. Rewatch old rom-coms before you watch this. Didn't enjoy it. I think this is a strong contender to be at the bottom of my list for the whole year. So, moving on, number 10 is going to be House Party with a 3.5 out of 10 rating. Uh, this is a movie that kind of suffered from my own expectations. I went into it hoping to get a new Project X, a 20... 23 version of Project X that's with new people and more celebrity cameos and the trailer really hyped the movie up saying you know there's tons of alcohol and drugs and celebrities and crazy shit in this movie that we couldn't sh show you in the trailer but you'll have to check it out to see and that intrigued me that intrigued everyone I went to see it with and we were excited and it was just not it it uh it was much more mild than Project X ever was. It wasn't a good party in general. Uh, the celebrity cameos were far fewer than they made it seem and far shorter. Uh, the only really good one was Kid Cudi. He was in kind of running the B-plot or C-plot of this movie of the celebrity Illuminati, it being real. He was actually funny. He was good. He was 
the funny type of awkward and it was great to see him in an acting role but outside of that i didn't enjoy it uh at the box office that reflects that as it's only done nine million dollars worldwide on its run so it's a flop financially uh it's already available 20 bucks video on demand uh, at all those same services so I don't know. I, I think you can skip it. Uh, if you're really bored and looking for a comedy to watch, maybe throw it on. Tell me if you liked it more than I do, but I did not like it. I will never watch it again. Uh, but in comparison to Project X, I have watched again because it's stupid and fun and fun to throw on and just live in that party for an hour and a half. So summer hits, summer misses. 11 and 10 are both misses so far this year. Uh, now we take a pretty big jump going into number nine. At number nine is A Man Called Otto with a 6.5 out of 10 rating, uh, starring Tom Hanks and Mariana Trevino. I already did a full in-depth review on this movie, so I won't go too far in, but if you're new to the podcast and you didn't hear my Otto review, uh, it's a cute movie. It's sadder than I expected, but it's very heartfelt. I'm happy I saw it, but if I didn't have my A-list membership, I probably wouldn't have paid to see it in theaters. I don't think I'll see it again. It was a little bit darker than I expected, but still, you can feel the heart in the movie. Uh, I mean, Tom Hanks is America's sweetheart. Everyone loves him and loves the movies he's in, so it's no surprise. It's done decently well at the box office, $103 million on its run so far, on what I believe was a $50 million budget. So, not a massive success. It's right on that line of that two to three times the budget to see if the movie is profitable. Um, and the movie's available to be bought on Amazon for $14.99. I don't know if $14.99 is worth it, really. I would say maybe wait until you could rent it for 3 bucks, or wait until it's on a streaming service, which I haven't heard which it might be on yet. But uh, A Man Called Auto, number 9, 6.5 out of 10. Okay, so moving on to number 8 is going to be Whitney Houston, I Want to Dance with Somebody, which got a 6.8 out of 10 for me. Um, technically this movie did come out at the end of 2022. I didn't catch it to this year, so I'm including it in my list here. Uh, it was enjoyable. Uh, Whitney Houston, known as the voice, like any movie about her, it, there's one thing it has to do right, and that's the music. And it really does get the music right. Uh, Naomi Aki, who plays Whitney in this movie, does a fantastic job. Uh, it's stellar just from a sound perspective. Uh, Stanley Tucci's also in it. He plays Clive Davis, and he kind of is uh, America's and Whitney's fans' perspective of wanting her to not go down this path she's going down, but of course Whitney does. Um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the movie. Uh, I don't. It really did gloss over some of the darker parts of Whitney's life, as a lot of these music, musician biopics do, and that's okay, in my opinion, because we're not focusing on the bad, we're focusing on the good, and that's their music, so... I didn't like it as much as really what I would say the two comps for this movie are Bohemian Rhapsody and Rocketman, but I still really liked it, and I think you should watch it. Uh, it's available for 20 bucks on video on demand. I'd wait until you could rent it, or uh, I might be coming out on Paramount Plus because I believe it's a Sony picture. But um, <laughs> one thing about this movie that I did really, I don't know if I enjoyed it or hated it, but uh, we went on a Tuesday night for this movie, my fiance and I, and that's usually typically the cheap movie night where you could get cheaper tickets and somehow the showtime we went into was appeared to be girls night where there were 
three or four groups of women, and you could see they were all together. They're walking together with their popcorn, they're leaning and talking to each other, who were just rowdy in this theater. Uh, they were singing along for some of the songs. After certain songs, they stood up and clapped. Uh, I've never been in a theater that was louder and more openly just talking during the movie and singing along for the songs and stuff. It was actually kind of funny, and it's a theater experience I won't forget anytime soon. So Whitney Houston at number eight. Uh, On to number seven, a movie I just saw about a week and a half ago, I think, uh, Magic Mike's Last Dance. This also got a 6.8 out of 10 for me. So I guess these two are kind of tied for seventh. But uh, I mean, I enjoyed it. Uh, Good music. Uh, The dance scenes are clearly very well choreographed as I haven't seen the entirety of the other two movies. I only saw a partial of one, but... uh, of course, in the Magic Mike movies, they get the dancing right. That's no supr- surprise. Um, there's some really funny montages throughout the movies. You're going through it. I would say the movie isn't quality, but it is good. I feel like there's a difference there where a movie can be good and enjoyable, but it's not a quality, critically acclaimed movie. And Magic Mike Last Dance falls into that kind of category there. Um, I will say a little bit of a... Uh, uh, warning for you, don't watch this with your parents. The movie is essentially softcore porn. Uh, two characters, a couple characters actually throughout this movie get about as close as you can get to fucking without actually fucking. Um, they really uh, pushed the boundary there and it's funny kind of at times, but um, I actually like the movie more than I thought I would. Uh, so far it's done $47 million at the box office in just two weeks which is significantly better than Magic Mike XXL did, but nowhere near what the original Magic Mike did as that movie was, uh, that's what we I like to call a movie event. Uh, people were talking about it. People were really excited for the premiere and Channing Tatum, Joe Magniello, I don't know if I pronounced his name right, uh, Matthew McConaughey, all of them, male strippers. That movie was a almost a cultural phenomenon for some time. So this is kind of falling in between there, which I do think makes sense. Um, But as I said, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Uh, Having not really seen the entirety of the other Magic Mike movies, I didn't know what to expect. My fiance and her friend really wanted to see it, and I'm never going to say no to going to the movie, so I tagged along, and it was better than I expected. Um, I think any man can enjoy these movies for what they are, which is just funny movies. That happened to have dancing. Nothing wrong with that. Um, as far as streaming goes, it will be out on HBO Max, I believe, in April. Uh, it's HBO Warner Brothers releases their movies uh, no earlier than 45 days after the release date theatrical. So that'll be around May to April. I would expect to see this movie available on HBO Max if you're not looking to pay to see it in theaters. But um, I think this one would be worth seeing in theaters. Uh, especially when you have a movie that is heavily based in the music like this. I think it's great to see those in theaters and get that surround sound of the music around you. Um, but enough about Magic Mike. We're going to move on here. It's quick fire. Uh, on to number six is Missing with a 7.0 out of 10. Uh, this was a very unique movie. I don't know if any of you saw any trailers for it, but it the movie essentially entirely takes place on her computer. All but like 95% of it is through her computer screen or her phone screen where you, you're not watching directly from the camera. You're watching the computer screen and then she's on like FaceTime in it 
or she just has the camera app up and you're watching through that and you're watching her trying to unravel this mystery throughout it. And speaking of the mystery, I was genuinely surprised. I thought this would be a very gimmicky movie and it wasn't. It was a quality story and with each twist and turn, I fell for it. Uh, multiple times, uh, they uh, included some subvert- subversion in this film that I fell for and believed what I wasn't supposed to believe. And it wasn't subversion for subversion's sake. It was genuinely good writing, which I really enjoyed. Um, it's starring Storm Reed, uh, who plays June in the film. She's in Euphoria as Zendaya's younger sister, whose character name I cannot quite recall right now. But... Um, the movie is very interesting. Uh, one thing I actually did find funny in it, and it's something I notice in countless movies and shows, but a lot of people I think don't notice it, is product placement. Have you ever seen a character in a movie or show pull up in a car and the car stops and it holds that shot for just a second and you see the Ford or Mercedes or Audi logo? Product placement. Uh, this movie has a ton of that. Uh, it's on a Mac, so the entire movie is Apple, promotion essentially and then uh you also have her going into gmail and using facebook and whatsapp and all these different websites and services that uh clearly paid to be in the movie and i always find it funny when you see product placement like that so uh so it is funny how sometimes they try to naturally work it into the film and it just doesn't work as well as i think it does i think it's one of those things where once you start to notice it you can't stop noticing it I'll never stop. I'll always see the product placement. But um, this movie, I think, is coming to Netflix in May. So keep your eyes out. Uh, I don't believe there are any showings left for it. I think it's in that weird gap now where you can't see it in theaters, but you can't watch it at home. Um, But yeah, number six, Missing. It thoroughly surprised me. Great mystery movie. Uh, It'll be in the middle of the pack for the year. It might be one of the better mysteries. Uh, This is one that I think might get a uh, hindsight bump based on how other murder mystery type films are during the year. Okay, now we're going on to uh, a little bit of a surprise. At number five is Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania with a 7.2 out of 10 rating. Uh, Ant-Man fell to number five and suffered because I went in with such high expectations. A month ago, if you told me I was going to record this episode and to pre-rank where I thought these movies were, I would have thought Ant-Man would be number one. I had huge expectations for this movie, and it was enjoyable, but it wasn't what I wanted it to be. Um, I still think it's worth seeing in theaters. I think it's a great theater movie. Uh, The visual effects are great for the quantum realm, and it's this very interesting world that they built, and it is definitely funny, as all the Ant-Man films are. Uh, Jonathan Majors as Kang is spectacular. He's the highlight of the film for me. But it just kind of fell flat. And that's okay. Not every Marvel movie is going to be in my top 10 or going to be one of my favorites. And Ant-Man is one of those. Uh, As for the box office for this movie, it's done $363 million so far internationally in two weekends. Which at first glance and compared to everything else on this list is great. For Marvel, that's not really that good. It has what's likely a $200 million budget, so that two to three two to three times range for profitability, you should be looking for to $600 million. And 363 after two weekends, it'll likely come close to that six, but I don't think it's gonna hit it. 
Going into weekend two, it took a 70% drop in its box office earnings, which is massive, especially for Marvel. You usually expect them to see around a 30 to 50% drop going into weekend two. So that would be like 100 million down to 70 or 50 million. This took 70% off and it's was nearly surpassed by another movie this weekend when typically they hold that number one spot for a month. It's not going to happen this time. I think next weekend this movie is going to drop into the number two or three spot depending on how these new releases go. And you're going to start hearing a lot more discussion about MCU and Marvel and comic book and superhero fatigue. And is it time for them to slow down with these movies? And I think it is. I think they need to scale back to two a year and it would devastate me because I love Marvel, but scale back to two a year and focus on quality over quantity. So uh, I could go on about Ant-Man forever and Marvel forever. So I'm going to try to wrap up this year. Ant-Man's at number five. Uh, I do suggest seeing it in theaters if you have no interest in that. It'll probably be out on Disney Plus in June or July, if I had to guess. It's usually four to six months after the theatrical release. So June or July is when you could expect to see this hit uh, Disney Plus. Okay, moving on to number four. And a big surprise for me was Alice Darling with a 7.4 out of 10. Uh, Starring Anna Kendrick, uh, the movie depicts a uh, mentally abusive relationship. And it is a very visceral depiction of that. It's so well done that it makes you uncomfortable at times. Anna Kendrick is terrific in the movie. She's what got me into the theater. I usually love everything she's in. Huge Pitch Perfect fan. But this was great. And it's, it's very underrated. Not a lot of people are talking about it. It didn't get a full wide release. I think it was exclusive to AMC Theaters. And it was just really, really good. And in a way that made you uncomfortable. And that's what I consider to make a quality movie. Can it make me uncomfortable at times? And this did that. Um, I hope to see more of Anna Kendrick in this style role uh, of a troubled role. Because she did a fantastic job. And the way her acting is able to exhibit the toll a abusive relationship such as this takes on you. And how you were able to escape it. And for her, that meant using the support system around her. And that support system had to never give up. And they never did. Her friends kept trying, kept pushing, kept looking for a way in to rescue her. And eventually they found it and rescued her, which is great. And everyone needs those support systems. And I think this movie did a great job of showcasing that. Um, It is available on some of those video on demand sites for $6.99 right now. I think that's absolutely worth it. Uh, I think, yeah, I I don't know if it's when or if it's going to be on a streaming site without having to pay to buy or rent it, but I think $6.99 for this movie is well worth it because it's, especially in the second half, the suspense really builds and grabs a hold of you as you're uncomfortable from watching what this relationship is and what it's done to Alice. Uh, Highly recommend, like I said, 7.4 out of 10. I think this will be my top half of movies for the year. Uh, on to number three, which I just saw this past weekend, uh, Cocaine Bear, the 7.5 out of 10. Uh, I mean, Cocaine Bear, not only is it an insane concept for a movie, it's an even more insane reality that is based on a true story of 
cocaine falling into the Chattahoochee Mountains in Tennessee and Georgia and a bear finding it and eating this cocaine. Uh, I believe in real life the bear just dies because, I mean, it's cocaine. If you eat a shit ton of cocaine, yeah, that's going to happen. But in this movie, it's uh, the cocaine bear is on the loose and it is... The movie is truly over the top. Sometimes the gore is a little bit too much, but the stuff that unfolds is just chaotic and ridiculous and hilarious at times. Uh, the whole theater was laughing out loud for this one. I really enjoyed it, um, and I thought I would enjoy it. When I saw the trailer for this movie, I was like, okay, this is going to be really stupid, but I'm going to have a really fun time with it, and I did. So uh, it's had a really strong opening too it's done 28 million at the box office its first weekend which is truly great for a movie like this and that's what you need to see more of is these kind of random movies succeeding at the box office uh there's another movie that i'll touch on in a little bit that is similar to this and that you wouldn't expect it to be super successful and it has been and that's what theaters need and i want to see more of that because i love seeing movies in theaters and i want to keep seeing them in theaters and not go straight to streaming so, uh, as I said, it just came out last weekend, so there is no uh, streaming options talked about or available for it yet, but I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I think if you're looking for a fun movie to watch, uh, this is towards the top of the list and go see it in theaters right now. Okay, my number two movie for the year so far is Megan with an 8.2 out of 10. Uh, I love Megan. I thought it was a great movie. Uh, it's been hugely successful at the box office so far, uh, $172 million worldwide, which is on a $20 million budget is huge. Uh, Blumhouse Productions has to be thrilled with what this movie is doing financially. And it's just so much fun. Uh, I talked about this in depth in my first episode talking about Megan and, uh, it's kind of portrayed as a horror movie in the trailers and whatnot, but it's not horror. It's dark comedy more than anything else. I was nearly crying with laughter at times in the theater. I loved it. Uh, right after I saw it, I said, this has a dark horse contender to be in my top 10 for the year, and I think that's still true. Uh, it's just such a fun movie. I'm actually excited to rewatch it, and that doesn't happen often. <laughs> I'm going to rephrase that. That hasn't happened often this year. I love rewatching movies and shows. It's a, I don't know what it is. I just feel like I get more out of something every time I watch it. So I'll constantly rewatch the same shit. But Meg and I am looking forward to being able to rewatching it. And it's actually available on Peacock right now. Uh, maybe the least used streamer that I hear people talk about, but it is available to stream if you have it there. It's available video on demand for 20 bucks right now. And there's still some show times. It came out. The second week in January, and there's still some showtimes just showing the incredible legs it has at the box office. If you're bored and looking for Saturday matinee, this might be the movie for you. I cannot say enough good things about it, but I will cut it off there. And my number one movie of the year for 2023 so far is Knock at the Cabin with an 8.5 out of 10. M. Night Shyamalan's Return... Uh, Starring Dave Bautista, Jonathan Groff, Ben Aldridge, Rupert Green. I love this movie. I think it's one of the best suspenseful thrillers I've seen in years. And uh, I just, there's not enough good things I can say about it. Dave Bautista as the leading man is incredible. Um, 
uh, Shyamalan does not fall victim to what a lot of people hate in some of his movies of a twist at the end. It builds to a logical conclusion that makes sense, and I love that. Um, there's not a moment that goes by that the suspense isn't building. Even when it's away from the action for a moment or a flashback, it still adds to it, and you're just getting further and further on the edge of your seat, and it's incredible. And part of what builds great suspense in a movie like this is the uh, cinematography and the score. Uh, For the score, music is a vital part of a suspense film. It's kind of your background. It's your baseline for where your mood is at. And a good score like this movie has is going to slowly increase that mood and that suspense feeling within you and knock the cabin kills it. And then the cinematography... What's unique about this film from that perspective is the up-close shots. They have a lot of up-close and personal shots on the actors and actresses, and all of them kill it in those shots. Dave Bautista, Nikki Mooka Bird, Abby Quinn, Jonathan Groff, when they bring it close on their face, the emotion is palpable. Um, and that theme of apocalypse and sacrifice is ever-present throughout this film, Uh it makes me sad that it hasn't had the most successful box office run. It's done $52 million so far, which isn't great, but it still has showtime, so I do think it's worth seeing in theaters because I find suspense movies are much better on the big screen, not only because it's the sound around you and just the bigger screen, but also because the suspense is meant to build over that two hours straight. It's not meant to be paused. It's not meant for you to look down at your phone for three minutes just to answer a couple quick texts. It's meant to go straight through and for you to feel it building. And that's what this movie does so well. And it's why it's one of my favorite thrillers in years. So highly recommend. Go check out Knock at the Cabin. Um, and the last thing I'll say on it is Dave Bautista. He's won me over. I want to see more Dave, Dave Bautista drama roles, comedy romantic whatever it is uh his physical presence is obviously massive he's a big dude but he's able to carry it very well and distribute it into a movie to where you're not really paying attention to his massive physical presence but to his acting ability and the emotion he's conveying and he does that in this movie so 8.5 out of 10 knock at the cabin my favorite movie of 2023 so far um i don't think Knock the Cabin's going to stay my number one. I think it's almost a lock to stay in my top ten for this year. Um, Megan's a dark horse to stay in the top ten. As I said, I often will change ratings uh, based on rewatching or just based on having context of movies this year as a whole. If everything else that comes out is shit, you'll see a lot of these movies probably six through one shift up. And might all be my top ten based on everything else being shit, but I don't think that's going to happen. There's tons of movies coming out, especially in March, that I'm really looking forward to. You have Creed 3, which I am I love Jonathan Majors. I love Michael B. Jordan, so I'm stoked for that. I'll be watching Creed 2 at home one night this week. Scream 6, I'm looking forward to. I haven't seen any of them, but that one looks good. Uh, 65 with Adam Driver uh, could be the new Jurassic Park. Uh, it looks It's a sci-fi meets prehistoric type movie and i'm stoked for that i love adam driver uh inside with willem dafoe looks very intriguing uh dungeon dragons movies coming out at the end of the month you have shazam this month 
I think John Wick is this month too. So tons of movies coming out in March. I'm hoping in March to see four or five of them. Uh, it might end up being two or three as life always gets in the way. But uh, yeah, 11 movies so far in the year. Hoping to see three or four more in the next month. Possibly five or six if I'm able to find all the time that I need to see them. And yeah, so I hope you liked this ranking of the 11 movies I've seen so far this year. Uh, if you've seen any of them, message me and let me know what your thoughts are. At Sidekick Critic on Instagram and TikTok. You can email me, sidekickcritic at gmail.com, and I'll take any questions or thoughts on your movies you've seen. Is there anything you want me to review or think I should watch at home, or do you disagree with one of my opinions? I want to hear from you because I just love talking about movies with people. And yeah, uh, I don't think I'll be doing a movie review in my next episode either, honestly, because coming up. Really quick, March 12th, I believe, is the Academy Awards, and I'm very excited. So I'm going to have to do my pre-Academy Awards show where I recap award season so far and the trends and look ahead to the Oscars and what's going to win. Um, I already have some predictions in mind. I think there's a couple locks, but I'll save that for another episode. I'm thoroughly excited to talk about that with you, and I'm thoroughly excited to continue talking about movies. I love movies. I love watching them. I love talking about them, and I hope you love listening to me talk about them. Uh, please, once again, message me, email me, whatever it is. I'd love to hear your thoughts and questions. Follow me at Sidekick Critic on Instagram and TikTok. Subscribe on YouTube, Sidekick Critic. And, or if you're a Spotify podcaster, follow my show on, and turn on alerts so you can get the newest updates for new episodes on Spotify. My name is Andrew Crosby, and thank you for stopping by for this episode of the Sidekick Critic Podcast. Bye.